Today is the 27th day of February. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I'm Brian. It's great to be here with you today for the first time coming, well, not for the first time ever, but for the first time on this journey coming to you from the city of Jerusalem, the holy city. We made our, our uh, ascent up to Jerusalem yesterday. And uh, we're in for a bit of culture shock today. It's uh, it'd be a very, very different experience than uh, the rest of the experiences that we've had so far. Because we're, I mean, Jerusalem is the holy city, right? But it's it's also a city, a large city here in the Middle East that's uh, that has everything a city has. And we haven't really been in big cities, so things like the crush of traffic and and all that goes with it, or it's something that's beginning to be a part of our experience on this pilgrimage. Well, we can talk about all that uh, in a little bit at the end. Let's still ourselves and uh, just come in out of the cold and come around the global campfire and let God's word speak. We're reading from the Christian Standard Bible this week. And today, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22 through 22 Verse 16. You are to keep all my statutes and all my ordinances and do them, so that the land where I am bringing you to live will not vomit you out. You must not follow the statutes of the nations I am driving out before you, for they did all these things, and I abhorred them, and I promised you. You will inherit their land, since I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who sets you apart from the peoples. Therefore you are to distinguish the clean animal from the unclean one, and the unclean bird from the clean one. Do not become contaminated by any land animal, bird, or whatever crawls on the ground. I have set these apart as unclean for you. You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or a spiritist must be put to death. They are to be stoned. Their death is their own fault. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron's sons, the priests, and tell them, A priest is not to make himself ceremonially unclean for a dead person among his relatives, except for his immediate family, his mother, father, son, daughter, or brother. He may make himself unclean for his unmarried virgin sister in his immediate family, He is not to make himself unclean for those related to him by marriage and so defile himself. Priests may not make bald spots on their heads, shave the edge of their beards, or make gashes on their bodies. They are to be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they present the fire offerings to the Lord, the food of their God, and they must be holy. They are not to marry a woman defiled by prostitution. 
They are not to marry one divorced by her husband, for the priest is holy to his God. You are to consider him holy, since he presents the food of your God. He will be holy to you, because I, the Lord, who sets you apart, am holy. If a priest's daughter defiles herself by promiscuity, she defiles her father. She must be burned to death. The priest, who is highest among his brothers, who has had the anointing oil poured on his head and has been ordained to wear the clothes, must not dishevel his hair or tear his clothes. He must not go near any dead person or make himself unclean even for his father or mother. He must not leave the sanctuary or he will desecrate the sanctuary of his God, for the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is on him. I am the Lord. He is to marry a woman who is a virgin. He is not to marry a widow, a divorced woman, or one defiled by prostitution. He is to marry a virgin from his own people, so that he does not corrupt the bloodline among his people. For I am the Lord who sets him apart. The Lord spoke to Moses. Tell Aaron, None of your descendants throughout your generations who has a physical defect is to come near to present the food of his God. No man who has any defect is to come near. No man who is blind, lame, facially disfigured or deformed. No man who has a broken foot or hand, or who is a hunchback or a dwarf, or who has an eye defect, a festering rash, scabs, or a crushed testicle. No descendant of the priest Aaron who has a defect is to come near to present the fire offerings to the Lord. He has a defect and is not to come near to present the food of his God. He may eat the food of his God from what is especially holy as well as from what is holy. But because he has a defect, he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar. He is not to desecrate my holy places, for I am the Lord who sets them apart. Moses said this to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites. The Lord spoke to Moses. Tell Aaron and his sons to deal respectfully with the holy offerings of the Israelites that they have consecrated to me, so they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, If any man from any of your descendants throughout your generations is in a state of uncleanness, yet approaches the holy offerings that the Israelites consecrated to the Lord, that person will be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. No man of Aaron's descendants who has a skin disease or a discharge is to eat from the holy offerings until he is clean. Whoever touches anything made unclean by a dead person or by a man who has an emission of semen or whoever touches any swarming creature that makes him unclean, or any person who makes him unclean, whatever his uncleanness, the man who touches any of these will remain unclean until evening, and is not to eat from the holy offerings unless he has bathed his body with water. When the sun is set, he will become clean, 
and then he may eat from the holy offerings, for that is his food. He must not eat an animal that died naturally or was mauled by wild beasts, making himself unclean by it. I am the Lord. They must keep my instruction or they will be guilty and die because they profane it. I am the Lord who sets them apart. No one outside a priest's family is to eat the holy offering. A foreigner staying with a priest or a hired worker is not to eat the holy offering. But if a priest purchases someone with his own silver, that person may eat it, and those born in his house may eat of his food. If the priest's daughter is married to a man outside a priest's family, she is not to eat from the holy contributions. But if the priest's daughter becomes widowed or divorced, has no children and returns to her father's house as in her youth, she may share her father's food, but no outsider may share it. If anyone eats a holy offering in error, he is to add a fifth to its value and give the holy offering to the priest. The priests must not profane the holy offerings the Israelites give to the Lord by letting the people eat their holy offerings and having them bear the penalty of restitution. For I am the Lord who sets them apart. Mark 9, 1-29 Then he said to them, Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves to be alone. He was transfigured in front of them, and his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, since they were terrified. A cloud appeared overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept this word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Then they asked him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah does come first and restores all things, he replied. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did whatever they pleased to him, just as it is written about him. When they came to the disciples, 
They saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. He asked them, What are you arguing with them about? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. He replied to them, You unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a corpse, so that many said, He's dead? But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. After he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer. Psalm 43 Vindicate me, God, and champion my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from the deceitful and unjust person, for you are the God of my refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God, my greatest joy. I will praise you with the lyre, God, my God. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Proverbs 10, 18 The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Right, let's talk about the proverb today. 
uh, I mean, think about think about a person in your life right now that you just you're just not getting on with, right? Like somebody at work or just somebody you know. Like it's just it, things are not going well. Maybe you don't know this person's story. There's a coworker or something, but you just they seem to always be after you or on your nerves for something, or it's it's just not working out, or or maybe. There's somebody in your life that's offended you. They, whether they know it or not, they've offended you. And so you got a nice, healthy weed growing in the soil of your life, this bitter root inside of the soil of your heart. I, I feel pretty confident we, we, like we've all had these kinds of experiences before, but what do we do with them? Because a lot of the time we water that weed by just kind of reliving the situation over and over. And sometimes like we're replaying the conversation in a way that it never happened, or we're, uh, we're dreaming of a confrontation that we can have in which we say all the right things to that person and they are speechless before us. We're sort of like dreaming how we might have some sort of mini revenge and so, uh, which plants all kinds of dark seeds around that seed of bitterness that we keep watering. And so we get pulled into all kinds of places that are not healthy for us. And we're not paying attention that we're at a crossroads where wisdom can speak. And so, uh, maybe we just blow right past that crossroads and start blasting that person. Like, like we tell our friends about our day at work, about that person that they don't know, or we get out of the coworkers or whatever, and, and they don't know it, and we're just shredding them behind their back. But while we work alongside that person, we pretend everything's fine. Everything's good. The proverb says, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips. And whoever spreads slander is a fool. So the crossroads here in these kinds of situations is, okay, I'm offended, I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm mad. And I don't think this is going to get any better. I'm, I'm done with this. Then the crossroads is what we do next. Are we willing to become a liar and a fool? over this offense? I mean, is it really worth that? Are we going to continue to water this root of bitterness until it's a tree of bitterness in our lives? Are we going to be foolish? Slandering our brother and sister, in, in other words, engaging in gossip about them, that that's more time-consuming and takes a whole lot more energy than just going and having a humble conversation and restoring relationship with the one that we've been offended by. And they may not receive this. They may hate you. I don't, I mean, who knows the circumstances, but are we willing to be a liar and a fool over it? That's the question at the crossroads. And, uh, you know, I know how this goes because I'm a person and I face all these kinds of things too, right? Like we can bristle up and it could be just like, well, you, you just don't understand this person. Like you just don't understand how they are. 
Proverbs, she has such a way, doesn't she? Because it's just a simple question. Okay, okay, son, okay, okay, daughter, okay. Okay, this has happened. Yes, it's happened. What are you gonna do? Is this worth becoming a liar and a fool over? Let's uh, meditate upon that as we go through all the interactions that we are sure to have today. And so, Jesus, we invite you into that. Um, we probably have no way of even gauging the amount of trouble we've gotten into from our words. Uh, there's probably no way to even count how many times we have been a liar and a fool according to wisdom's voice in this kind of scenario. But a lot of that has been because we just, it's our culture and it's our ignorance. But you have come today and given us the voice of wisdom at the crossroads. And it's always there. And we're just, we just often blow through. But we're learning. We're learning to practice wisdom. And so, Holy Spirit, come. And may the voice of wisdom guide our steps today and all of our thoughts, words, and deeds. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, we have arrived in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is very, very different than any of the other places that we've been in this country. We've been everywhere. <laughs> we've been all over the place. Uh, there's really only one more region in this land that we will encounter. So we've done the coast. We've gone all the way down through the wilderness, all the way as far south as we can go. We've been as far uh, east as we can go. We've been as far as north as we can go. We've made it back to the coast. And uh, today... Uh, we were kind of in the land of Samaria, basically. We left the coast this morning and then came inland before beginning to work our way southward, where our first stop was Shiloh or Shiloh, and uh, obviously an important place in the Bible. Sometimes we don't realize how important because we focus so much on um, the temple era, like when there were kings in Israel. And so there was a temple in Jerusalem. But before there was ever a Jerusalem with a temple in it, there was Shiloh. This was the first place, the first permanent dwelling for the tabernacle, the first kind of capital, heartbeat, spiritual center for the tribes of Israel as they came into the land. And that went on for almost four centuries. So a very, very long time uh, with a very, very long story that uh, touches many, many different places in the Bible. The prophet Samuel is most uh, notable there. But, I mean, the children of Israel lost the Ark of the Covenant uh, by taking it from there into battle. Uh, which brought an end to the high priest Eli. Uh, but Samuel's mother, Hannah, had prayed for a child that she could dedicate to the Lord. And all of that story happens in Shiloh. 
And it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable to stand there and realize this really, you know, when the children of Israel finally did cross the Jordan and begin moving into this land and um, building communities in the different areas that they had inherited and that had been divided up, and we've read all those different divisions, when this began to happen, then Shiloh is the place where they go uh, to worship God. And so it's pretty remarkable to see where the tabernacle would have once stood and understand that, man, this is, this is where the Holy of Holies was. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. It uh, roots you in these stories. And we had a nice day. The last couple of uh, pilgrimages that we had gone to Shiloh, it was, you know, we were battling with the rain and uh, cold, and which makes that place a bit more challenging to navigate. But a beautiful day today. And so we were able to kind of see it at its best and enjoy it. And uh, it was Ash Wednesday yesterday, so the the beginning of the the, the season of Lent. And I, uh, I mean, I talk about Lent when we go into Lent, this season on the Christian calendar that points our hearts. Uh, well, its intention is to prepare us for Easter to prepare us for what we're celebrating when we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, by allowing us to have a a season where we understand what it cost to give us our freedom and eternal life through Jesus and to kind of sit for a season with the weight of what our sin does in our lives and how it continually pulls us from God. Like there's no benefit. There's like no benefit to sin. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people are fasting things if they're observing Lent and fasting is part of that story. But a lot of times you'll hear somebody say they're uh, fasting candy bars or something like that when I told our group You know, the thing that we're supposed to be fasting here is sin. What we're supposed to be doing is understanding that this season is one in which we open our hearts to God, allowing him to take out whatever doesn't belong and to move around whatever he needs to and to put into our lives whatever he wants to as we just move through a season of openness that then allows us to sit with the cost and then move into Good Friday and really, really, you know, understand that this Jesus that we love and that we're learning about, the way his ministry ended was his execution. Uh, Even though this was the plan, it's like when you fall in love with Jesus, then you don't at least I, I can't stand it. You know, I I hate that this happened. I'm, I, and I rejoice. But it's supposed to be that way. We're supposed to sit with that. So that as we celebrate the resurrection on Easter, then it, it means something. We've walked through a season preparing our hearts. And we rejoice with all of our hearts. 
the, the relief of it all, the release of it all, that Christ is risen indeed and our sins are dealt with. That's, that's the season. And so a lot of times there's an Ash Wednesday service in many different churches and you wear ashes, you know, on your hands or uh, on your forehead for the day. We just took an opportunity to, to, to enter into that tradition as we were getting ready to go to Bethlehem. And now most of us did. And so from there, some lunch, a beautiful lunch at a winery that we like. And um, just preparing our hearts for the crush of the urban center that we're going into. And just a very, very different culture and way of doing things. And that's, uh, that's Jerusalem and that's Bethlehem, which is just kind of a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, and so we, we went to Bethlehem. And, uh, man, it's usually so crowded that if you want to go down into the grotto and see that star that, that commemorates, that marks this place that, uh, that, that believers have come to for centuries and centuries and centuries... Uh, you have to kind of wait in line. There's other believers from all over the world that want to see this place because it's one of the most holy places, like a geographical place. Not that that's what Jesus was after, but it's one of the most holy places to go to say, this is where the Savior was born in Bethlehem. Uh, That's meaningful. But a lot of times there's like there's churches that have been built up over these places and then you can go down uh, below into earlier foundations and kind of find bedrock and see how over time these places have been built up and destroyed and rebuilt and then destroyed again and then built stronger and then uh, then challenged again. And, and that's kind of how a lot of these places are. The Church of the Nativity is like that. So we, we did go into the grotto and didn't have to wait quite as long of a line. Uh, it was pretty remarkable. And uh, visit that spot and then go down below into the caves uh, where you can finally go, okay, there were caves here. Okay, I see. You know, this is all built up over the top of all of this. And we uh, went down there. We haven't been able to get down into there either for a couple of of tours because just I mean the crush of people they just can't move can't but today we got a big group so we take up some space but um, we were able to do these things and so it was nice I haven't, haven't been able to enjoy them myself for a couple of years but it was nice to go down there and sing a Christmas song and understand like we're in Bethlehem and this is the Christmas story and so we did that before then moving uh, toward Jerusalem, checking into our hotel and getting some dinner and preparing for a big, long day around Jerusalem today. And I'll tell you all about that tomorrow. And we thank you for your continued prayers over us. We're kind of in the more intense part of this journey even as we're tired and 
kind of have moved through a lot of travel and a lot of jostling and a lot of uh, heart work and a lot of knowledge has been imparted to us and we've seen a lot and so our hearts are full our brains are ready to explode and now we get into like the more intense time of navigating around a lot of other brothers and sisters who have made their journey here from all over the world to uh, have the same kind of experience that, that we are at some of these places. So thank you for your prayers. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, you can do that at dailyaudiobible.com. There's a link. It's on the homepage. Thank you humbly for your partnership. If you're using the Daily Audio Bible app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or if you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the uh, hotline button in the app, the little red button at the top, or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. This is Alex from Hawaii, and I'm calling for Harold. Harold, I called for you, and I prayed for you, and I've been praying for you, and I just heard your call that you accepted the Lord and that this has all been a blessing and I couldn't help but fall to my knees and I am in tears right now because just thinking of God's greatness and Christ's love that is just so beyond our understanding. All of this was written before we even knew. I am so grateful to the Lord that you joined this community. I am so grateful for every single person that has been praying for you. I am so grateful that you have been listening faithfully. Harold, your life is about to go through a tremendous change. Be prepared for all that is to come. Read the word every single day. Don't just listen to it. Open your Bible and read it. Read it. If you don't know where to start, start with the Gospel of John. Start with the Proverbs. And I promise you will begin to see just God working in your life even more than you already have. Harold, thank you. Thank you for sharing your testimony. Thank you for faithfully calling in. Lord Jesus, I lift Harold up to you. I lift him to you. I give you his life, Father God. We put it in your hands. We know that you have marvelous plans for him. Father God, use him that he may be a testimony to his family and to many others, Father God. Protect him, cover him, Father God, in your blood. Cover him in your protection and in your grace, Lord, that he may just run this marathon, not only the one that he's running physically, but the one that he's going to be running spiritually, Father God. Cover him in your grace and your protection. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey Dabber family, this is Walter. It's February 19. Just heard a call from Harold. Yes, yes, yes. This is so good. I kid you not. So I'm driving to work 
I'm listening to the uh, reading, start listening to the prayers. And it is a reminder when people call in and they talk about requests that you've prayed for before that were played before. And it just reminds, you know, so I'm going through this whole process again about um, our dear sister who passed. And then I hear Harold and I'm like, what? Look at God showing us that he is the resurrection and the life and he can bring positive, he can bring good news in the middle of, you know, whatever sadness that we are going through and he reminds us that he's still in control. He's got this. Hell, I am so happy and I am cheering you on and man, let us know how your uh, marathon um, goes and... Um, it's just so happy. I, I know I, I sound like <laughs> I lost my mind now because I'm just babbling. But hey, <laughs> what a great news for a Wednesday, eh? Praise the Lord. Okay, Harold, um, be in touch and we'll be in touch. And I love you guys. Also praying for Brian. So glad you're in Israel. I so want to go. I'm living vicariously through you. <laughs> and... Um, Annette, Allison, my sister, I love you loads and just wanted to shout out to you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Good morning to my dad family. This is Laura calling from uh, Georgia. Um, I'm new to um, the dad family as of January the 5th. And I'm listening to the prayers from the Collins from February the 12th. And Harold, oh my God. Gosh, he was so overwhelmed and so moved by all the calls and prayers for him and his um, relationship uh, with God. He has trusted in the Lord as his personal Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. I am so overjoyed right now. I I, I have a little hint of how God feels every time a person gives their life over to Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Dad, family, you're awesome. We are touching so many lives. Um, a gentleman by the uh, who's a slave for Jesus or slave of Jesus um, calling from North Carolina prayed for my ex-husband T. Carl Honore who was had a bout with malaria. He is recovered. He is doing well. He is in South Miami Beach with his family. Thank you for calling in. I don't know how someone in North Carolina found out about him um, um, having malaria um, that he contracted from Africa, but he is fine. Even the doctor said it was a miracle that he did not leave this earth. It was not his time. God is good. I am so, uh, this is going to be a terrific day. Oh, uh, I love my dad family. I love you, Brian. Um, I'm praying for you guys. And, and Hi, DAB family. Uh, this is Jess. I'm living in Portugal and have been so blessed. Um, I am a new listener just a couple weeks now and just love hearing all the prayer requests and praises. Um, and I'm terrified to call in, but thought it was important to do so. And I have struggled with a pain condition for about eight years now. Um, I'm young, I'm only in early 30s, and I have three young children, and life is hard when you 
have the mask of pain to look through daily. Um, and I guess I've prayed that the Lord would take it away. But if it's His will that I keep it, that I would be joyful in the pain, Lord, and that I would carry this burden with uh, joy and that the glory would uh, be all His. And I would ask that you pray alongside me for that. Pray that if it's His will for healing, that it would be done. And if it is not, that I would um, shine His light and joy in each day. I thank uh, the Lord for each of you and that I have so many brothers and sisters all over the world and that we have this ability to connect. Love. This is praying for my unsaved family. It's the 19th, Wednesday the 19th of February, and I'm calling in to ask for prayer for the Baxter family in Brisbane. I was driving past the scene this morning of a car on fire. I thought it was just a road accident, but it turned out to be much, much worse. It turned out to be a man who decided to set his children, six, four and three, I think they were, and his wife alight in the car and the whole family have perished. Later on when I was coming out of work, I was just waiting to cross the road when a flatbed truck went past with the remains of the car on it. I feel absolutely sick at the thought of what's happened to those poor children and their mother. I'm just reaching out to your dad family, please pray, because although that poor family had been wiped out by that evil act, there are grandparents and aunties, uncles, friends, school friends. The whole school will be traumatized for losing two of those children that attended their school. I'm just incredulous that anybody could think that this is the only way to get through a bad divorce. Please pray for the Baxter family on both sides. It must be dreadful for them. Thank you. Hi, this is Leanne from California, and uh, I'm calling because Ariel, the new Christian, you just started listening to Daily Audio Bible. You really grabbed my attention. I have to say I was pretty consumed in my own worries, my actually worrying about how I am sinning by worrying. Uh, worrying about my mother, worrying about the fact that we need to purchase a new car, uh, worrying about so much. At the same time, I'm praying, and God is trying to teach me that I can't do it all, that I have to depend on Him. And, uh, you know, your call jolted me right out of that state of mind, and and uh, I thought of you as a new Christian, and and I'm going to pray for you. Let me say that before time is up, that I, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, 
that is one of the things too that God is teaching me. I can't solve everybody's problem, but I can pray. I can't solve my mother's health issues, but I can pray. And I can claim Jesus and his power. And I can claim the peace that he gives us, but I do have to work at that. So again, while I won't say the right things, I know you're going to get calls and I know somebody's going to say the right thing that's just going to uh, help you a lot. Good morning, DAB family. Uh, today is Wednesday, February 19th. This is Paula calling from Albuquerque. Uh, I am still wiping away the tears, Harold. I am so thankful uh, for this family and for how we pray for each other and that you heard that in your spirit and you've received the Lord as your savior and you're now part of the family. So welcome my brother. Uh, uh, what a blessing, what an incredible blessing. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Um, I also uh, just want to reach out to uh, Diana Davis's boys. Um, we're rejoicing there too because she's no longer in pain and suffering. Um, but we continue to pray for you that uh, the desire of her heart would be uh, granted by God, that you guys would remain together. Um, I'm just so grateful for all of you. Um, I love you so much. Y'all have a blessed and amazing day. Keep sharing the word. Keep spreading um, the news about this podcast and how well we are taught. I... I I, I just cannot tell you, it's like when I call in, or excuse me, when I listen, Brian, you teach the way my pastor does. You just teach the word. You don't add any man-made stuff in there, which I absolutely love. That's what we need. We need the word. We need the truth because the truth will set us free. So I love you.